The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And finally, one of the last things that we can do is improve data collection and oversight. This means standardizing birth and death certificate data, mandating and funding fetal and infant mortality review committees, and ensuring equity in the review process. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday and happy Black History Month. Yeah, February is Black History Month and here at MLN in the month of February, we always like to shine a little light on the black maternal morbidity rate here in the United States. So in this episode, I'm going to be focusing on some statistics revolving around that issue, along with some general self-advocacy tips, because advocacy is such a critical skill all moms, regardless of color, should have in their tool belt. When it comes to care during pregnancy, from your first prenatal appointment through birth and postpartum, it is so important to be your own advocate. As mamas, we often hear about finding a great provider and a birth team that aligns with our wishes. But today, I want you to start thinking of yourself as a key member of your care team. In my role as a labor and delivery nurse, advocacy is something I see every day. I advocate on my patient's behalf and encourage mamas to advocate for themselves if something doesn't quite feel right. But sadly, I don't see all care providers advocating for what their patient wants, and I don't see equal opportunity for advocacy among all women. Sadly, women of color are tragically silenced, which results in dire outcomes far too often. Today, I want to discuss actionable ways that you can educate and advocate for yourself throughout pregnancy and birth and also shed some light on the tragic black maternal death rates here in the United States because it needs attention. So let's jump right in. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys. Okay. So 
Let's talk. No mama should be a passive pawn in pregnancy and birth, simply just going through those steps and checking the boxes of recommended care. Instead, I want you to prepare and take an active role in your care and advocate for yourself every step of the way. Because you know what? Only you know exactly how you're feeling. Whether that's physically or mentally, you hold the greatest power to have your needs met if you know how to advocate. So I've broken down some concrete ways in this episode that you can advocate for yourself during birth and pregnancy. You'll hear that some of the suggestions involve research and education, and others do involve surrounding yourself with people that make you comfortable, but many of them are just simply about speaking up and using your most important tool that you already have, your unrelenting voice. All right, so let's start off this episode and talk about the Black maternal death rates here in the United States. So in the U.S., Black moms are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white moms. Yes, you heard that right. And it's crazy. And it's just completely unacceptable. A pregnancy-related death or a pregnancy-related mortality is any death of a woman during or within one year of her pregnancy that was caused by a pregnancy-related complication. This could be a chain of events that started with pregnancy or when pregnancy causes other unrelated conditions to worsen resulting in death. All right, so let's look at some of the numbers. So back in 2018, the CDC did publish some new data based on all births from 2007 to 2016 on the maternal mortality rate. So that means pregnancy-related deaths here in the United States. Okay, so here's a quick overview to help you better wrap your head around what I'm talking about here. So first point, all live births were 17.4 deaths per 100,000 births. Maternal deaths in black women, though, were 40.8 deaths per 100,000 births, and maternal deaths in white women were 12.7 deaths per 100,000 births. So as you can see, that is more than triple. That's a lot. And these statistics do not include women who died more than 42 days after giving birth, women over 45, and death from suicide or drug overdose, which can often be linked to pregnancy and child birth. What's more, as the maternal age increases, the disparity increases and education plays an impact too. In women over the age 30, Black and American Indian women were four to five times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related complication, and Black and American Indian women with a college degree were 5.2 times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related complication than white women with the same level of education. All right, so to the women of color listening to this episode, sadly, this is such a staggering number and a very real statistic that exists here in the United States. My hope is that helping to bring attention and awareness to this issue will help spark some change. If you are a woman of color listening right now, it is not my intention to raise your anxiety about your birth. The other huge motivator and why I'm including this info in this episode and why I put out this episode in general is because I want to offer solutions to you that you can put into action right away. All right, so let's unpack this just a little bit more. So first of all, let's answer the question, why is this tragedy such a reality here in the United States? Though there is no clear explanation as to why, clearly something is going on, right? Experts are weighing in and looking for ways to reduce these gaps. 
Experts believe that it is a combination of issues, including number one, institutional racism in society and the healthcare system. Number two, black women's increased susceptibility to certain health conditions that can affect morbidities in pregnancy. And number three, lack of access to quality prenatal care, significant underinvestment in family support and healthcare programs contributing to the alarming trends in maternal health. All right, so often when we talk about racism in the healthcare community, people get very confused and like, what does that even mean? Like, how could people be racist in healthcare? That seems crazy. So let's talk about like structural racism and what we call weathering hypothesis. So structural racism in healthcare means that black people often receive poor quality care. It means denial of care when black people seek help when enduring pain or that healthcare providers fail to treat them with dignity and respect due to their own racial biases. These stressors and the cumulative experience of racism trigger a chain of biological processes known as weathering, which causes a deterioration in the physical and mental health of Black people. This same phenomenon is also hypothesized to explain why certain health conditions are far more prevalent in the Black community. The long-term psychological toll of racism puts Black women at a higher risk for a range of pregnancy-related health conditions, including preeclampsia, embolisms, and mental health conditions. All right, so let's talk about what we can do about this in healthcare, like as a healthcare worker. So if you're a healthcare worker listening, these are some things that you might be able to do that you can do to, you know, kind of change this. So number one, improve access to critical services. And if you don't know what a maternity care deserts are. Some people don't aren't familiar with that term. Maternity care deserts are counties in which access to maternity health care services is limited or even absent, either through lack of services or barriers to, you know, a woman's ability to access that care. Access to care is so, so critical here, you guys. It is a critical component of maternal health and positive birth outcomes, especially in light of the high rates of maternal mortality and severe maternal morbidity in the United States. All right, so what's the next thing that healthcare providers can do? Next up, we can improve the quality of care provided to pregnant women. So we can train providers to address racism and build a more diverse healthcare workforce. We can create standardized assessments for mothers and infants, and we can adopt new models of care and link payment to quality. Another thing we can do as healthcare workers is address the maternal and infant mental health. Another thing we can do as healthcare workers is address maternal and infant mental health. So this means identifying barriers to accessing maternal mental health services, dismantling care barriers with a comprehensive approach, and screening for and addressing infant and early childhood mental health issues. The next thing we can do and what I would argue probably the most critical thing is enhance support for families before and after birth. We can invest in and expand access to policies and programs that support families' basic needs, invest in community programs that offer one-stop comprehensive services, simplify enrollment across public benefit programs, invest in home visiting, love that one, and fund community-based education and communication initiatives to support families. And finally, one of the last things that we can do is improve data collection and oversight. 
This means standardizing birth and death certificate data, mandating and funding fetal and infant mortality review committees, and ensuring equity in the review process. Also such a key element here. If we don't have a clear picture of what's going on, how are we going to change things? All right, so a lot of the things that I just talked about were actual things that we can do as healthcare workers, but these are also larger systemic changes that need to happen. So if you are a woman of color listening to this podcast and you're currently pregnant, one of the most critical things that you can do is be your number one advocate. So that is what I'm going to spend the rest of the episode talking about. So I am going to go over, how many do I have here? 23 ways that you can advocate for yourself during birth and pregnancy and postpartum. That's a lot of things that you can do, which is great. Women who are educated about how to advocate for themselves have a much higher likelihood of having a positive birth experience. That's because you feel more empowered and educated going into your birth. All right, so first off, let's talk about what advocacy, advocating for yourself is and what it isn't, okay? Whether it's during your pregnancy or during any aspect of your life. First of all, being your own advocate is not being outspoken or being pushy, okay? There's a difference between being assertive and being confrontational. There's a difference between saying, I understand you would prefer to have me labor in the bed, but I am low risk and I would prefer to labor standing up as long as everything is okay with baby. That's perfectly fine to say to, you know, your provider or your nurse or whoever. So there's a difference between that statement, which is great, and screw you lady, you can't tell me what to do. I'm standing up, right? I mean, that's, you know, still we're saying the same thing. You want to get up and labor out of the bed but it's just a little bit more disrespectful, right? So if something doesn't sit well with you, it is okay to speak up about it and I encourage you to do so. So let's talk about some concrete ways to advocate for yourself, broken down into pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So let's talk about pregnancy first. Number one, choose a provider that makes you comfortable. You guys know I preach this. This was in this episode, of course. (laughs) So this means that your provider, you feel like your provider listens to you and perhaps more importantly, they make you feel heard. Their values and philosophies align with the prenatal care and birth you envision and overall give you a good vibe. Remember too that you can switch providers at any point in your pregnancy for any reason and you don't really owe anyone an explanation. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, so this Birth It Up Baby Mama (laughs) says, my plan was to have a completely unmedicated VBAC, so I took your natural series, but unfortunately for me, my little guy flipped five times in the last four weeks of my pregnancy. Wow, that is a lot of times and not common at all. (laughs) So she says, my plan changed every week until we got to the hospital to have the C-section, which that decision was only made the night before because he was breached then. Very last minute plans here. And once I arrived, I found that he flipped once more. So he was head down when she got to the hospital in the morning. Wow, crazy. I bet he was just 
I bet your belly was just bouncing all over the place. She says, however, my husband and I felt safest choosing a C-section over induction that morning simply because of your education as well as as because I had a previous C-section with my first son. Thankfully, we went with our instincts because the cord was around his neck twice. Although it was a crazy and fast and wild experience, we had a perfectly healthy little boy who just may end up being a gymnast someday. (laughs) That is so cute. I bet, I bet he is going to be a gymnast. (laughs) If you want to check out the course that this mama took, she took Birth It Up the Natural Series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and just click on the Natural Series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Number two, partake in your prenatal care. The act of actually partaking in the recommended prenatal care schedule alone decreases your risk of pregnancy-related complications. So even if you're classified as low risk, please, please don't skip out on prenatal care. The screenings we do at each prenatal appointment can truly save your life should something come up. Number three, understand your risk factors. During your first or next prenatal appointment, have an in-depth conversation with your provider about your risk factors. Things like age, race, pre-pregnancy weight, BMI, family history, and pre-existing conditions all do play a role in your risk of complications. Understanding these for yourself and what they really mean can better prepare you to spot red flags and voice concerns. Number four, okay, ask lots of questions. Yes, question everything and get curious about your care. It is okay to ask questions, guys. We've literally heard it all and a good provider will welcome your interest in your care. If they don't, seriously consider switching, okay? It's kind of a red flag if you feel like your provider's not answering your questions or they're just saying, ah, you don't have to worry about that. You want a provider who's saying, oh, I understand that you're asking this question and here's the answer or I don't have an answer for you, but here's a way that you can get the answer. Number five, create a birth plan and talk about it. You guys know I also know that I love those birth plans. So birth plans are something I always mention with a caveat though, that things simply can't go always, you know, as planned. But the act of creating a birth plan is so powerful because it sparks dialogue with your provider and gets you more educated and confident about birth, which leads to better self-advocacy. Number six, take a birth course. Building on that last point, childbirth education might be the single best way to prepare to advocate during birth, pregnancy, and postpartum. A thorough understanding of it all is so key, you guys. It's actually a big reason that I keep my online childbirth class very affordable. I want as many moms to gain this knowledge as possible. Number seven, ask about standard practices and policies before you're due. These are things like when do they recommend C-sections? When do they recommend inductions? What is their rooming in policy for baby? Is skin to skin care regularly practiced at the hospital? Do they follow a family-centered care model? Lots of other things. Understanding these things ahead of time will really help you advocate more efficiently when it's go time. Because basically, you know, you know what kind of standard practices you don't have to be asking and advocating for skin to skin. If you just know that it's standard, that skin to skin is going to happen after your birth. And finally, number eight for these pregnancy self-advocacy tips is remember that you can refuse literally anything, okay? And nobody's going to, you know, call you a B word or nobody's going to look at you sideways if you refuse something. It is okay. Okay. 
This is so important, but please hear out the pros and cons, of course, and let your providers weigh in before making a rash decision. I can't stress that enough, okay? It is okay to refuse something, but it's also really, really critical to hear a provider and understand why you're saying no to something that they recommend. All right, so now let's move on to ways to self-advocate during your birth. Okay, so number one, speak up about your pain. Yes, pain and pain tolerance are unique and individualized experiences. No one else really gets to decide if your pain level is less than what you say it is. If your pain isn't being taken seriously, continue to speak up about it. It is okay, okay? All right, number two, talk about your fears and anxiety. Guys, as a labor and delivery nurse, I can't tell you how important this is. Mental blocks are such a huge thing. Speaking up about these things in advance or when they happen in real time is such an important form of self-advocacy because a good care provider will alter their practice and approach, if possible, if you let us know these things are going on. If you're not bringing up a fear or something that's not sitting with you quite right during your birth, we can't, you know, really do anything about it. So for instance, let's say, you know, you see on the heart rate monitor that something, you know, the heart rate's going down or something just kind of looks weird and you're really, really anxious about it, but you don't speak up about it. You're just building that anxiety within you. It's so important to speak up and say, hey, can you explain, you know, kind of what that means? We'll explain it and hopefully that will decrease your anxiety. All right. Number three, remember that you are a member of your birth team. Yes. Never, ever forget that you have a voice in your care. Number four, include yourself in decisions, but remember to listen too. At the end of the day, you can refuse anything like I said before in the pregnancy ones, but if, you ta- if you've taken the time to choose a good provider and choose a good hospital and or birthplace that you're comfortable with, hear them out, okay? Number five, have your own support people be advocating for you too, okay? Your partner can be a wonderful source of advocacy and support during birth. Make sure you get them in on that childbirth education and have some discussions about your birth wishes before the big day. Now, with that, just like to say at the end of this one... You don't want your support people talking for you, okay? There's a difference between you trying to say to answer a question that your nurse is asking you and your support person or your doula or somebody's, you know, kind of saying, oh, no, 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 you know, she doesn't want that. But maybe, you know, we don't want that to happen. But let's say you're working through a contraction and you can't really, you know, say much or answer a certain question, your nurse is saying, hey, you know, do you do you want some IV pain medication or you want an epidural? And you're, you know, you're you're kind of working through your contraction. A good, you know, support person who is advocating for you maybe might say, you know, we've talked beforehand. She's she's really thinking that she doesn't want any IV pain medication, but we will certainly let you know if she changes her mind. All right. And finally, number six, question things that don't feel right in your gut. I said it earlier, you guys, and I'll say it again. Question everything and anything. I know I say this a lot, but but that part is so, so important. Questioning often, we often feel weird about it, but I don't want you to feel weird about it. It is totally, totally okay to ask questions. 
All right, so let's move on to some last tips on how to advocate during your postpartum experience and beyond. All right, so number one, only you get to decide if you experienced any birth trauma. Yeah. So it's true. If you are holding onto any negative feelings associated with your birth, you may have experienced birth trauma. The episode before this, I just did a podcast with Dr. Casty and we went through birth trauma in a really, really in depth. And so I would definitely advise you to go back and listen to that episode. It's a really, really great one. But I also encourage you to to talk to your provider or a therapist. Holding onto these feelings can affect you for the rest of your life, guys. That is not an exaggeration. Number two, I want you to discuss your birth and tell your story. This can help you work through any potential trauma and help your experience feel more real. Many women describe birth as an out-of-body experience, and it is typically very private. So telling the story can help so much with processing, no matter how the birth played out. Number three, if something doesn't seem right with your healing, keep bringing it up. I know I'm a broken record by this point, guys, but this also falls under knowing your body best and not letting anyone silence you if you think something is off. Number four, advocate for newborn care in the hospital that makes you feel comfortable, whether that's rooming in, using the nursery, delaying care procedures, having care procedures done right away, you get the idea. Don't be pressured by the hospital norms. Learn about these ahead of time so that you can have an idea of what's going to make you the most comfortable. Number five, utilize lactation consultants and ask a lot of breastfeeding questions if you plan on breastfeeding. I highly recommend hitting up that lactation consultant as much as possible during your hospital stay. They are such a valuable resource in the first few days. Ask them to check baby's latch again and again. Ask them to watch a feeding and another feeding and another feeding. Ask them all the questions and don't leave the hospital without a final check-in. Number six, if something doesn't seem right with breastfeeding, speak up. If it hurts, makes you nervous, anything, bring it up. It's why they are there. Number seven, put your foot down about exclusive breastfeeding if that's important to you. Yeah, don't get pressured into supplementing with formula if there isn't a true sign of low supply or a danger to baby, but do listen to all of their points if this is a suggestion and keep an open mind that it may be necessary, okay? All right, so on the flip side, put your foot down if you don't want to breastfeed. Equally as important here, don't feel pressure to exclusively breastfeed if it doesn't feel right for you. And finally, the last point, continue to advocate for your own care and your baby. You've got a baby now, guys, so it's important to not only self-advocate for yourself, but now you've got this little baby and it's important to know about advocacy and to advocate for this little baby that you just brought into the world. All right, so wrapping up this episode here, if you don't like the way something is done, you have questions or you just don't feel like you're being being treated fairly, make sure you speak up, okay? It is okay to be assertive and it's okay to advocate for yourself. In fact, you should advocate for yourself, okay? Providers, nurses, or any member of your healthcare team don't always know exactly what's best for you. Okay, we do our best, but you are an important part of the healthcare team too. It's important to educate yourself about birth and know what you do and don't want. And it's also important to listen to your provider if he or she is suggesting something you are wary of. 
listen, understand the pros and cons, and then both come to a decision that you both feel comfortable on. And above all else, trust your gut, mama. And with that, I will end this episode. I've enjoyed my time here with you guys, and I will catch you next week. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.